doing today, church? Good to see you in the Lord's house this morning. I, I'm grateful for you braving the weather today and coming out even in the midst of the storm. Uh, I've gotten some texts and some words from some of our folks that are with, without power and unable to be here. Uh, Kelly was telling me about Jennifer unable to be here today because uh, her power went out and she couldn't dry her hair with her blow dryer. And so uh, there you go. I mean, you got to blow your hair before you can come to church, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, it was, uh, man, it was pretty nasty this morning. Uh, when we first got here, it looked like we were going to get blown away. And Miss Carolyn Neal, who always has a song on her heart, came up and said, I have a song for you today, Pastor. The wind is blowing again. How many of you remember that old song of the church? So when just like the day of Pentecost, the wind is blowing again. That's kind of the way it was today. But anyway, we appreciate you so much. And thank you to our prayer team, uh, who uh, a couple of weeks ago, Erlene had mentioned something about, uh, you know, that they were thinking about they'd like to engage more in worship and uh, be able to lead in that way. They pray every week, a couple times they get together, and <clears throat> sometimes more than that to pray in private and intercede on behalf of our church and the needs of our people. But they just felt like they wanted to lead in other ways as well. And so they decided they were just going to come up to the altar and uh, worship today. And it inspired me and let me, you know, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about those young people at prayer conference that just flooded the altar during the song service and came up and just worshiped with great uh, intensity and, and appreciated it so much. And I'm, I always want you to know that you're welcome to join us in this altar. Our altars are open, and I want you to feel free to come. And whether it's worship, whether it's intercessory prayer, you need someone to lay hands on you uh, for some reason, we want you to always feel welcome to come. <clears throat> and if you come up and try to start any funny business, we've got guys in the house that will take care of you in a heartbeat. So... <laughs> No, that, that, uh, I'm just kidding with you. But praise the Lord. I'm thinking, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Thank you for that, Leslie. I, I, I didn't see you, but I heard you say it. So, and she's right. I'm not kidding. So, anyway, it's a crazy world that we live in, crazy day. So, you always have to be prepared, right? And so, we do our best to do that. And, um, you know, we've always got people that are packing. We just don't tell you who they are. Uh, because we don't want you to go by and stir up any trouble with them because they, they just might draw on you. You never know. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful time of worship today. Beautiful songs, beautiful music, beautiful worship. And I'm just so grateful to you today. Today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're going to celebrate water baptism in a few minutes. Uh, and I'm so excited to be able to celebrate with those who are making a choice to publicly declare their faith in Christ Jesus today. And so we're going to do that in just a few moments. Uh, but before we do that, I want to share some things that are on my heart. I've asked the Lord to help me today. Um, you know, the Lord gave me an assignment to come here and to be your shepherd, to be your pastor. And... You know, sometimes that looks like a lot of different things. When I first came, there was a lot of administrative stuff that had to be done, a lot of 
legal matters that had had to be dealt with and things of that matter. And I threw myself into that and was glad to be able to be a part of what God was doing in that season of our church. And then, you know, through the years, that role has kind of shifted some. And I have recognized and realized um, that I'm, I'm your shepherd, and, and it's my job to watch over your souls. The Scripture says that that's my job, is to watch over your soul. And if I don't do that, I'll, help, I'll be held responsible for not doing that. And so when it seems like that when I talk to you the way that I'm going to talk to you today, it seems like that I'm angry or I'm mad, and I'm really not. I just have a desire for us to go up higher in Christ. I really long for the days when the church was the source of power to the community and that when people had needs in their lives, they didn't run other directions. They ran to the house of God. You know, you'll remember when Jesus was walking on the face of the earth and moving from community to community, he didn't have to stick up flyers on the telephone poles and he had, didn't have to put up Facebook ads to try to get people to come see him <clears throat> or come to where he was. They sought him out because of his power and his authority. And before he left this earth, he transferred that authority to the church people like you and to people like me and so we now have an authority that we should be operating in and until we get to the place where we do that effectively we're not going to have the answers that people need in their lives and so I don't know how you feel about it I love chicken dinners and I love youth you know events and and, and I really love to watch the pictures and see the videos of those Nerf wars and things like that. That's cool stuff. But as much as I love all that, and that is part of being community, a community of believers, I just want our church to be one of those places where people come because they know that they can get the help that they need for their lives right here. Not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is in us and because of the Spirit of God that is alive and well within us. So as I speak to you today, I've asked the Lord to help me to tone it down. Is that okay? You know, sometimes we just get beside ourselves and we just, you know, I get excited and I, I get to yelling and sweating and spitting and I've seen preachers throw their coats off and undo their ties and, you know, throw them in the choir loft and all that. And, and it, it can be a very emotional kind of thing. And I'm not shooting for that today. I'm, I'm trying to realign our desires with what God wants to be doing through his church because in the last days, when Jesus comes and takes his church, did, did you know that when Jesus comes, he's not coming back down to the earth. He's just coming to the clouds. And he's going to bring up all the dead in Christ first. And then those of us who are alive and remain are going to go with them. And together we are going to meet the Lord in the clouds. And we will forever be with him throughout eternity. And when he takes his church out of this world and removes the influence of the Holy Spirit on this earth, 
You talk about chaos, folks, it's going to be a terrible place. I don't want to be here. And I don't want you to be here. Because what happens in that seven-year period of tribulation is going to turn this world upside down. But I don't believe we're going to be here to experience that because he's going to take us up out of here prior to the beginning of that. But until he does that, we are his representatives on this earth. If there's any work that's going to get done for the kingdom of God, it will be done through the church. And so we've got to take our place in the kingdom of God. So I want you to look at Acts chapter 2, if you would, with me. Now I'm going to talk about water baptism, but I'm also going to talk about the role of the church and why these things are so very important for us to be involved with. So Acts chapter 2, I want you to look at verse 36 with me, and then we'll read through verse 41 says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them. Did you see those words? Strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. Now, let me just stop long enough to comment right here. God has called us out of this earth. We are not to be like the world. We are not to fit into this corrupt generation. And it's a sad day when the church looks so much like the world that we can't tell the difference between God's people and everyone else. Now, I, you know, I'm saying that with love. But if we're not careful, we will just blend in to this earth and the way this earth operates. God has not called us to do that. He has called us to be a light in a dark world, to be salt in a world that needs to be preserved. He does not want the church to hide our light under a bushel basket, but he wants us to crank the fire up as big as we can get it and allow this world to see that there is something different about his church. Let me just ask you, are you different? Can people look at you and say, there's something different about that individual. I wonder what it is. They don't react the way that everyone else reacts. They don't look the way that everyone else looks. They don't speak the way that everyone else speaks. There's something different about them. What is it? It's the presence 
of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us. He strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to the church. Now let's pray for the anointing of God's word today and pray for me. I want to keep my tone down today. I want this to be an encouragement and not a discouragement. I want to lift you up. I don't want to tear you down. But sometimes we need to hear some things that will bring change to our lives. Is that true? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love your word. It is truth. It speaks to us. At times in our lives when we've gotten a little bit far from you, when we've desired to fit into this corrupt generation more than we desire to stand in your presence, when we desire other things that the world provides rather than making your day holy and putting you first, God, help us to get a fresh anointing. Put a fresh call upon our lives. God, I don't want to do this anymore unless you anoint. I don't want to go through the motions and just do pie auctions and chicken dinners and fellowships. Although I love all of that. And that is certainly a part of community. God, what I want more than anything in this world is to see the lives of individuals transformed by the power of God as it flows through us. And I want to see just like they did on that day when they were all baptized and saved from that corrupt generation, 3,000 people got under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and gave their lives to you on that day. I want to see salvations. Lord, I want to see prodigals come back home. I want to see what's important rise again and take prominence in the church. And I believe you're calling us to that. And I ask you now, Lord, to help me to remain calm and my tone to be one that is impacted by love. And as I share what you've placed upon my heart today, I pray that you'll help me to do it effectively so that your kingdom can increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Strongly urged them, be saved from this corrupt generation. Now let me just tell you that if you think that their generation was corrupt, even more so is our generation corrupt. And the one thing that has the potential to impact and influence this world is the church. Now I have to tell you that it takes every bit of self-control on my part when someone disrespects the church of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that we're all imperfect people, right? Every one of us, myself included. 
God is still working on me. When Jonathan was just a young boy, he learned to sing that song, He's Still Working on Me. He's five years old and singing, He's Still Working on Me. Well, I am 64 years old, and I can tell you that God is still working on me. He is making me into the man of God that he needs me to be and wants me to be in these last days. And one of the things that I want more than anything is to be closely associated with the people of God who are kingdom individuals and desiring to live their lives in agreement with the word of God. Nothing else matters to me in these last days. I want Jesus in my life more than anything this world can offer me. Can anybody say amen to that today? Do you agree with that? This church and churches in this world should be the priority in our lives if we are Christians. Jesus gave his life for this church and for every church. And so when people say, well, I don't like the church, I don't want to be at the church, I want to prioritize other things in my life over the church, then what you are literally saying is, is that the thing that Jesus loves so very much and gave his life for is something that you would rather reject because it doesn't meet your criteria for some reason. Well, let me tell you something. If Jesus loves it, I want to love it. If Jesus gave himself for it, I want to give myself for it. If Jesus associated himself with the church, you better believe that I want to be associated with what Jesus has associated himself with. You say, no, Pastor, what has you so stirred up? Because I was this week training young leaders and young pastors. Yesterday I was in Lexington most of the day while you were out at the Derby and I, I wouldn't have gone even if I was in town, but while you're having a good time, I'm over trying to, trying to teach and train young leaders. And I hope none of them are listening today to our live stream, but out of the ones that were there, I tried to talk about 10 of them out of it. I said, do you really think you're qualified? Do you really think you're called? How is becoming a licensed minister with the church of God going to change your approach to living? This was after I spoke with one of them and we asked them, what is your plan of Bible study? How do you study the Bible? Well, I listen to Joyce Myers every day. No, how do you study the Bible? Well, I listen to, and name this one, and I listen to, I said, you don't understand what I'm asking you. How do you study the Bible? Well, I've got several different versions, okay? Do you ever read those versions? Now, you're laughing. I'm talking about somebody who wants a credential to be a pastor in the church of God. And I'm sitting there saying, how do you study the Bible? And they don't have a clue what I'm talking about. 
And so when it came time for me to sign the documentation, I wrote, I regret to inform you that I do not recommend you for ministry. Because listen, if our pastors don't know what the Word of God has to say, how in the dickens are we going to be able to stand up here and tell you and say, thus saith the Lord? I'm sick up to hear of people who have radio shows and television shows that want to prophesy about this, that, and the other, and about 50% of the time they're wrong, and in the Old Testament days they would have taken them if they missed it one time out on the outskirts of town and killed them, stoned them. And yet we want to hear what they have to say. What's the next big word? Let me tell you something. You need to get alone with the Spirit of God in your Bible and say, I'm not leaving this house. I'm not leaving this closet. I'm not leaving this room until you, by your Holy Spirit, reveal and break open what I need to hear from your Word so that I can make the corrections in my life that I need to make. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says about it. Even me. I've told you I don't know how many times, please go home and fact check whether or not your shepherd is telling you the way that it is. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is by reading and studying and eating the Word of God. Somebody told me years ago, said, if you're going to be a pastor, you cannot go to the Word of God to find something to preach. You must go to the Word of God to find something to eat. Because it is only when you eat the Word of God that it will nourish your soul and nourish your spirit. And so what I'm saying to you today is, is that if we're going to come out from this corrupt generation, it's only going to happen when we get our face in the Word of God and let God rework our innermost being. Still love me? Keep your, keep, keep your noise down, Rob. We have to have a personal relationship. Come out from the corrupt generation. I read some statistics recently that just tore my heart out. Church membership is down because people no longer want to be associated with a local church. Too much good stuff to watch on TV. So I don't really need a local church. I can just dial it in. I can worship from home. Let me tell you something that COVID taught me. When we all had to worship from home, it's hard to worship with any kind of real passion when we still got our pajamas on and we haven't even brushed our teeth and we're still laying on the couch with a cup of coffee in our hand and we forgot where we put our Bible and so I'm just going to watch it on TV. And churches all across the nation are still struggling with people to come out of their little cocoons and come back to the house of God so that we can worship together. Well, why do I need to do that? 
Because the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves as is the, the actions of some and even more so in the last days. We need each other. We need to worship together. We need to be in the house of God together. Now, I wasn't going to say anything about this, but I, I think I'm just feeling it today. What is this world offering your family that takes priority over being in the house of God? I, I'm not talking about if you're sick and you need to stay home. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where are you going on the Lord's day instead of going to the Lord's house? Praise the Lord. I didn't get any amens on that, but I did hear a good. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but good. You say, why are you being so passionate about this? Because the church is what Jesus works through in this world. It's his organization. The Sabbath is to be holy. You say, well... Pastor, you come to church all the time because we pay you to be here. You better watch yourself now. You might make me mad when you say stuff like that. It's true I need to be here because I'm the pastor, but I don't come because you pay me to be here. I come because I know this is where God's going to do a work in my life and your work, and we're going to sing together and worship together and position ourselves for blessing, and we're going to get anointed by the Spirit of God so that when we come out of this house, we're going to be empowered by His Holy Spirit in such a way that people are going to be blessed because we've been in the presence of God. Instead of hearing some umpire say, strike one, strike two. I'm not being mean. I'm really not. I'm asking you, what in your life displaces the worship of God on the Sabbath day, which he has told us to keep holy? I love you. And they said, Church attendance a few years ago meant people who came to church every week, every week. And then the statistics say that it changed and a regular church attender is someone who comes every other week. And it was that way for a little while. The recent statistics say that a regular church attender is someone who comes once a month and on Easter, Mother's Day, and Christmas. So if you do that, if you come once a month, Easter, Mother's Day, and Christmas, then you are considered a regular attender. The latest statistics say that the average tithe of individual givers in a local congregation, not just not, not across the church of God, but across churches of all kind, is not 10%, it's 3%. So we've disrespected God, and we've said to Him, we don't like your number that you said, so we're going to negotiate a deal with you when it comes to our tithing and giving. And so... 
3% of our income comes to the house of God. When God said, bring me 10%, bring me all of it. Bring it to the house of God so that there might be meat in my house for my people. Let me take a breath now. See where we're at. The ordinances of the church. And I'm working my way down to water baptism. You'll be glad to go home today, I promise you. The ordinances of the church are no longer important to people who call Jesus their Lord and Savior. They don't want to be members of the church anymore because they don't want to be committed I'm talking about statistics now that that can be verified. They don't want to be committed to one church because there's a smorgasbord of churches that are available to people. So we don't want to be committed to one. If I commit to one, then I have to agree to allow that pastor to speak into my life. And if that pastor says something that I don't want to hear, I want to be free to go to another church and let them speak. You know, you know what's wrong with the church today? It's because we got a bunch of kindergartners. Because they work their way up to kindergarten in their spiritual faith, and then the pastor asks them to learn how to write their name in the Spirit, and they're mad, and they go somewhere else, and they have to start all over again. So there's no commitment to church membership. None. People don't even get married in the church anymore. I want to get married, what venue best suits me? I don't want to do it at the church. I I don't want my church family to see me get married and pray for me and lay hands on me and anoint me. I want to go to some place that has this cool-looking place. I don't want my pastor to do it. I want somebody else to do it. I want my great-uncle to do it. They're not licensed in any church at all, but they've got their credential credential over the internet. And so they've got a license and legally they can do it. So I want somebody like that. I recently attended a wedding in a venue that someone was getting married at. They hadn't asked me to be a part of the wedding ceremony in any way, shape, or form. Someone else was doing the ceremony. I looked at the literature for the venue and looked and read it, and it says, We are a venue that provides weddings for people of all sorts. We include anyone who wants to be married in our venue. We will marry men with men and women with women. All you have to do is ask. They have no ministry credential and no idea how holy the act of marriage is. Why wouldn't you want to get married in your church? Baby dedications are all the way on the floor. I don't want to influence my child to make a choice for Jesus. I want them to grow up and make their own choices. Parents, shame on you. If you're not proud enough of Jesus to teach your children how good God is and how wonderful Jesus is to us, then there's a problem. And the Word says that we're, if we're ashamed of Him, He will be ashamed of us. But I don't want my baby dedicated. 
I don't want to do that. I don't want that Holy Ghost either. Don't give me that. I don't want that. That'll make me shake and vomit and all that other stuff. I, I don't want the Holy Ghost. And yet, in the scripture that we looked at today, it said that we would be saved and then it says that we would be baptized, and it says we would be filled with the Spirit of God. Listen, if God says that I need it, I want it. I want everything that He has for me. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. If God's people have rejected the ordinances of the church, if God's people have decided that it's better to stay home and watch a service, a TED Talk on TV rather than be a part of a local church and grow together and mature together. If God's people have taken this, this journey, then how in the world can we expect anybody else to get excited about getting saved and coming into the house of the Lord? So it's time for us to renew the ordinances of God's Word in the house of God and to respect what God has asked us to do. Now, am I mad at you? No, I'm mad at me. Because I've been your pastor for almost 13 years. And there have been times that I needed to look right in your face and say, you're making some big, big choices that are going to bring some difficult things into your life. And if you'll listen to me and let me help you, you can avoid this by choosing something different. Because if you'll choose what God has for you, I promise you God will stand behind it. But if you don't, then you're going to have all kinds of difficulty in your life and there will be no one to blame. We've got people who have one time attended our church who have kids now that have different pronouns than they had before. They're not sure what their gender is. They used to attend our church, but they never brought their kids to youth group and they never brought their kids to Wednesday night. They never did any of that. And now they're saying, Mom, will you call me something different? Will you let me be and look like something different? Dad, I bet you wish you'd have stayed home because of the rain. I'm telling you, it's time for us to be the church. And the only way that I know that we can do that is to obey the Word of God. Let the church be the church. Let the church be involved in your life when it comes to spiritual matters. Listen, I like to hear Creflo Dollar as much as anybody, but Creflo's not going to come to your house and give you communion. They're not going to come visit you in the hospital. They don't even know who you are. But you have a church that loves you and and more times than not, some member of the church will get to the hospital to lay hands on you and pray for you before I even know about it. That's the kind of people that we have here. Local church. It's important. So today, we're going to begin this journey by administering water baptism. And say, boy, what a transition. Yeah, you better believe it. we got to start somewhere. And we're going to start right here with water baptism. I want to show you five things that water baptism does in our lives. The first is this. Water baptism 
is a demonstration of our obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to his cousin John the Baptist and he said, I want you to baptize me. Jesus did not need to be baptized. He never sinned. He was sinless. He did not need to be baptized except as an example and so that the anointing of heaven and the approval of heaven could be placed upon him. And John baptized him in water. And if Jesus felt the need to be water baptized, I would suggest that you and I need to be water baptized. It is a demonstration of our obedience to what the Lord Jesus Christ has asked us to do. Secondly, water baptism is a symbol to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we put you in this water in just a few minutes, we're going to bury you in the water. I kid with people all the time. I want to get you all the way under. I'm not bringing you back up until I see bubbles. I'm only kidding. I'll let you breathe, I promise. But we want to get you all the way under because it signifies burial. Would you imagine if people buried dead bodies with the knees sticking up out of the ground? We're not doing it. If I have to put you down three times, we're going to get that knee underneath that water. I'm only kidding. <clears throat> Death, burial, and when you come up out of that water, it's like that song we sang earlier. I ran out of that grave. Man, when you come up out of that water in a few minutes, you're going to be freer than you've ever been in free in your life. You're going to be alive in Christ Jesus. It's not the baptism that saves you. Jesus saves you by faith. But it is a symbol to identify the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, water baptism is a public declaration of our intention, intention not to continue walking in sin. How many of you know that we're supposed to put sin out of our lives? And when we get water baptized, we're saying to the world, I won't be perfect when I come up out of this water, but I want you to know it is my intention to live my life for Jesus Christ. And all that I think and all that I say and all that I do, I am His and He is mine. Water baptism. Fourthly, water baptism is a practical <clears throat> demonstration of our spiritual reality and a personal testimony that we have passed from the old life of sin to the new life in Christ. Amen. A practical demonstration. I've already told you the baptism won't save you. But it's a representation of what has happened on the inside of us. New life. New life. And then lastly. Baptism connects us to the wider body of Christ. When you come up out of that water, you will forever be identified with the body of Christ. You will be. 
Now, there's still church membership for you to consider. There's still other ways for you, service and ministry and volunteerism and being filled with the Spirit and all those things. But when you come up out of the water, you are connected to the body of Christ. That's what Scripture says. If you read on down, after they were baptized in verse 41, notice it says in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles, and all the believers were together and held all things in common, even their chapstick. They sold their possessions and their property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day, say every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together. Are we going to start having church every day of the week? Nope. No, we're not going to do that. But that means that they were connected to one another every day, not just one day, not just on the Sabbath. They knew that that was family. <clears throat> and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Water baptism connects you with the body of Christ. Now, we're getting ready to have our candidates come up here in just a moment, and we're going to baptize them, but I want to close out this portion of the service by saying this and reiterating, I love you. I want God's best for you and your family. I want you to participate in the church. You may not know this, but even the government recognizes the authority of the church. When I marry someone, I always close out by saying, <clears throat> by, by the virtue of the Commonwealth of Kentucky and by virtue of the fact that I'm an, I'm an ordained bishop with the Church of God, I now pronounce you to be husband and wife. And when I sign that document, it's as good as any document that's ever been signed because a pastor of a local church has declared that couple to be married. It's a legal document. Did you know that your water baptism certificate is a legal document? There are places where you can go and they will ask you for some kind of legal representation or documentation and one of the things that they will put down as an opportunity is your certificate of water baptism. Why? Because they know the church has that place. All of those things are, are authorized to the church, not only by God, but the government, government recognizes the power that the church has in, in people's lives. So why are we ashamed of it? Why, why do we not want to come? Why, why is it? it? If we went out and put inflatables on the parking lot every Sunday, would you come? If, if we got a Ferris wheel out there so that you could go up and at the very top get a nosebleed and all that kind of stuff, would you come then? If, if we have all that kind of stuff, would you come? And my answer to that is you'd come for a while. And then after a while, you'd say, that doesn't satisfy my soul anymore. And you know why that is? Church, listen to me. 
only Jesus will satisfy your soul. Only Jesus. So I want all of you who are getting baptized today, come on down front if you will. Girls, Harper, could I, could I ask you guys just to scoot all the way down here and all of those of you going to get baptized, just come and sit on this front row. I love you, and I believe God has great things for our church.